94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. This is where we bring in Hawaii's leaders and experts to talk about the issues you care about and uh, get your questions answered. And this morning, we are honored to have, once again, for his Aloha Friday update, the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Hawaii, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Hey! Hey! Good morning, guys. Um, A busy week for you, as usual. Holy cow, yes. Yes. Um, It's a... uh, it's a huge week. Uh, an incredible amount of collaborative work has been completed on many things for the state, mm-hmm. making sure that we're safe and and that the plans are getting into place for when we ultimately start tourism. So we'll have lots to announce soon uh, from the governor's side. And it's important that he make these announcements uh, because he also has to get extra input from mayors mm-hmm, and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, huge amount of work with Hawaiian Airlines and Bank of Hawaii and Hawaii Pacific Health and Queens and uh, Department of Health. Everybody you can imagine, the hotels especially, just so many uh, people making sure that we have a good plan to continuously put layers of safety into into uh, into our overall protection plan. As you saw yesterday, it was scary. 18 cases. It's a mix, in my opinion, and take it with a grain of salt, a mix of several things. We have the small outbreak at uh, Halinani, right? And that is disconcerting. I'm sure we'll talk about that plenty today. Uh, in addition to those kind of surges which occur, little um, hot spots, we also had uh, 11 or 12 additional cases that were spread out. And those cases are a reflection of large gatherings, particularly uh, possible are things like, and I'm supportive of them as long as people do it right, mm-hmm. like being out in the street for a street fair, got to wear a mask, but then it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the large protests that occurred Again, absolutely supportive of, of our freedom of speech, and, and actually the passion is extraordinary and wonderful. However, again, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so got to have a mask on. Mm-hmm. So if I could say one thing 600 times today, it would be, <laughs> please, any everybody, if you are inside doing anything like work-related, whatever, shopping, you have to be wearing a mask. If you're outside and you're near people, you have to be wearing a mask. If you're out running and, you know, in the ocean, of course, you're not wearing a mask. But these are the times when when you have to socially distance and wear that mask. And we will get the numbers to constantly be low. Everyone's saying that across the globe. And then the other layers of success we'll have would be thermal scanning will help a little. Temperature taking help a lot more. Preventing people from traveling without having a negative test helps a lot. Another half of the cases can be reduced. So these multiple layers shrink our, our risk down to, you know, very manageable levels. Got it. It feels to some people, I think, judging from their comments online, like there's a silence, like they're sitting in this vacuum of I'm not working and the economy's not open totally and I'm just waiting and why isn't why aren't things opening? But what you're saying is there's a lot of activity happening. I, I've worked about 12 hours a day for oh, the last gosh. two weeks mm-hmm. on this mm-hmm. with extraordinary people. I probably say more about it here on the radio with you than I say in most other media. Uh, I will say this. It's, um, it, it is very imminent announcements. And the reason for that is we need to have four to six weeks, no matter what, of prep planning, marketing and everything. So people can kind of do the math when I say that. Uh, I don't want people to worry. If if they're listening to the show today, if they are, and I'm sure many are, and and they're watching on Facebook Live, know that incredible amounts of collaboration have been done to rescue the economy and to keep us safe. And we will not let the summer pass by without significant activity. We will ramp up tourism, but it has to be done so that we don't see, we have to go, first of all, we have to go from 18, ideally, back down to a little bit more civilized numbers, which we will. 
because we're still we're finishing off the uh, the bump from you know the holidays, the celebrations, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. protests, and everything like we said. But also, when you lay on a new layer of some people that mm-hmm. will travel or start returning back and not be in quarantine. Remember, the goal is the goal is get a test. You're negative. Still socially distance and wear masks, but you don't have to be in quarantine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get a test, no quarantine. And it'll be our own people, mostly, when we start going on our vacations and coming back and then living with one another that will have some risk. So mm-hmm. we've got to be negative, and we'll work that out. Got 94.7 Kumu, who are here with uh, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green for Kumu Kokoa. It's Devin, and it's Esme. And I, I want to pivot a little bit because he's always... He was worried he's going to leak some stuff. So we'll, we'll, I want to pivot a little bit because what I've been hearing on the mainland is, you know, if we didn't do all this darn testing, we wouldn't be finding out that we've got <laughs> 2,000 people. You know what I'm saying? And the, the problem that I'm, uh, and, right? and I just want you to yeah. explain that to people because they don't get it. There are people that still don't get it. You have to test. You're right, Devin. I mean, if you don't get testing done and get background rates of testing and background rates of disease, you're flying blind. And if you're flying blind, you can't make policy decisions. And that is a shocking position for people to have to not test. It is a drop in the bucket as far as cost as compared to having no economy, having no activity, being unable to open, or actually even worse, opening and then shutting down. Today you're seeing- What's happening in Florida? Florida, it's terrible. So these things have to be done right. And that means extra layers of caution and extra, uh, extra Uh, numbers and extra information and input and data is critical. So that's what we have to do. I'll tell you some interesting stuff. Um, So Hawaii Pacific Health finished their survey of of all their people, and they found out that the background rate with antibodies was 0.5%. That's one out of 200 people. What what does that mean? Can you explain that? That means one out of 200 people had developed immunity only. So we had very, very low rates, really low rates. And that's Mm. across both um, people that do clinical work and non-clinical work. Amazing. amazing. Yeah. So other places, you know, New York was at 15% a, a two months ago. So we have very little immunity. So if an outbreak occurs here, we're in deep trouble, which means that if, if it takes an extra test before people come here, so be it. If it takes extra testing once they're here, we can try to arrange it. If it means we still have to wear masks whenever we're in contact with strangers or people that aren't from our, our home clan, our families, throughout the end of the year, it's worth it because this is all meant to salvage 2020, make sure we have some economic recovery and we survive, have enough money to help people on unemployment throughout as they need, and then get to the vaccination or get to the point where it does finally burn out in the world, which could happen. Mm, uh, it mm-hmm. hasn't been burning out real well lately, no, if you notice so on the mainland. Much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not so much. And they, th- that's the part about it that's making me nuts, is people go, well, if we just let it burn through everybody, then we'll be fine. I'm like, yeah, but how many people could die? Yeah, at what cost? Right? Thousands, yeah. thousands yeah. and thousands. Mm-hmm. We had we had estimates that at one point that uh, had we not intervened in the first in the first like phase of the disease, it was 4,779 Hawaii deaths. Mm-hmm. Instead, we had 13 at the time, mm-hmm. and we're at 17 now. Although I do think that there will probably be some more uh, fatalities just because now we're seeing it's almost impossible to keep it totally out of nursing facilities. Yeah. yeah. 94.7 Kumu, you are listening to Kumu Kokua. We are talking story with Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. So now we've got this situation over at Halenani. How, to what degree does that concern you? And are, we, are you expecting that we're going to see more of that? Uh, that's the most concerning thing that's happening right now mm-hmm. in the state of Hawaii. Because most people will be fine if they're out in the community and there's sporadic cases, very, very low mortality rate. But in nursing homes, 
individuals over 80 years old, their mortality rates over 14%. And if they have chronic disease, it's even higher. And if they end up in the hospital, it's even higher. So all of those are, are very scary numbers. And once you get, you know, an infection in, a, in the medical personnel who are, who are really the main uh, at-risk group nationally that aren't older people, 20% of all of the cases are among healthcare workers for obvious reasons. They see people and they catch it. Uh, if that spread occurs, then you can't, you know, it's very hard to extricate the disease. And one case goes to another, one senior, you know, one of our kupuna will be in the, in the uh, open room or they'll be chatting in the hallway for an hour and then spread to two and then spread to four. So, I mean, that's very, very difficult, but they are testing aggressively there. They'll know by the end of the day how many additional cases there are total. There were 250 residents there and 500 employees. So uh, I think it's Miskovich's team is doing the testing mm-hmm. that yes. way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Scott's going to have all that information and share it with the Department of Health, of course, and more importantly, Alinani. And they've already set up a, an isolation space, essentially a, a COVID ward, if you will. They're making sure everyone's getting their oxygen checked super regularly. So if they do a great job, which I expect that they will, they certainly will endeavor to, there should be at least less mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. casualties. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it was only a matter of time. Uh, got a question off Facebook from Michelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wanted to ask you if people with asthma are exempt from using a face mask. She says that the dialysis center, so she's got all kinds of stuff going on because she has having to go to a dialysis center. But she said they've been very uh, anal retentive about her using one, and she's been dizzy and lightheaded after treatments because you're wearing the mask. Can't so. breathe. Yeah, she is. Yes, actually, people with chronic lung disease and asthma is included are exempt. Okay. And Do they need to get a letter from the doctor or it, something? It helps on, just have, uh, if I could say to Michelle, have a, a physician write on a prescription. Mm-hmm. They can write a letter too, but have it write on a prescription. Please exempt, you know, Michelle, Michelle or whomever. Okay. Um, she suffers chronic lung disease and is unable to wear a mask for extended periods of time. Okay. And that, that should suffice. All right. Um, wanted to pivot back real quickly uh, to the issue of uh, nursing homes. Do you have like a, uh, a specific direction that you're giving now or, or guidelines specific for the nursing homes to prevent this from happening in the others? We do. In fact, we had it for all of them already in place and mm-hmm. it's, it's just everywhere. So the way this works is the uh, Healthcare Association of Hawaii are our dear friends and allies run uh, by an excellent CEO, Hilton Rathel, and, and really an amazing team. They are the kind of glue that holds all of the both acute care facilities, the mm-hmm. hospitals, and the long-term care facilities together. So there's that layer where we're organized and they're able to disseminate all the best practices, CDC guidelines, and so on to the nursing homes. Then additionally, we have a whole nother segment, which is under the under the general the Unified Command Center, so the UCG, the, um, all of the guidance that goes from there. And on that side, we've got Al Yazawa, who's uh, Dr. Al Yazawa, who's an amazing person, who's a colonel also, by the way, I believe, in the in the Army Reserves, and has been a geriatrician and, and a leader here in our healthcare community for a long time. And so they also set up protocols so that we have, for instance, all of the standards on visit, visiting and the restrictions against it, so that we have all the PPE standards and they get enough PPE so that they know what the standards are for end of life, and also whether or not we have an outbreak and we have to have a full facility where we transfer people to, which is one of the plans that they uh, are constantly working on. So, you know, that's the approach, and it's extremely thorough. We have we have thousands and thousands of individuals that live in long-term care facilities. Uh, at this one alone, it's, you know, over 250, 
there are facilities all over the place that have 30 people, 18 people, 96 people. And then on top of that, a lot of those facilities are also providing rehab and other services, which is an additional challenge because someone comes into rehab and they've kind of been out and about until they got smashed by a car or something and they had a bad broken leg and they're getting rehabbed. But now with all admissions, let me give you one of the protocols, mm-hmm. everyone gets tested before admitting. And I believe they actually get two consecutive tests that have to be negative before they'll transfer somebody. So they kind of double down. 94.7 Kumu, uh, you are listening to Kumu Kokua. We are talking story with Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. I'm trying not to get frustrated with people who don't want to order masks. A lot of people are getting uh, caution fatigue. We've talked uh, about this earlier yeah. where they're kind of like, well, you know, Hawaii posted, is good, so we yeah. don't need wear. Or, or they wear them underneath their nose yeah. or, you know, well, hanging one guy posted, chin. Oh, you know, I have OSHA training. Because yeah. I have OSHA training, uh, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. And then he just mentions all this stuff about why these masks don't work. And I went, what? Masks are actually uh, very effective. There's been a lot of research recently. They're not perfect. There's no question they're not perfect. But they will decrease by 75% the risk that we have overall. Especially if they're asymptomatic. We don't know. But they are shedding virus. It does help. And it is a it is a way that they've successfully beaten back the virus in a lot of the um, Southeast Asian countries and so on. Uh, Sammy Carter says, if we fly to the mainland to help family, can't we just get tested when we come back home so we don't have to do the 14-day quarantine? That's coming. Yes, that's that's actually very, a very uh, astute observation. So there's two things that are going to ultimately happen. For First, let's go for the basic. When travelers are coming to Hawaii for their vacations, we're going to make them get a test 72 hours before. Negative test decreased by 50, 60, 70% the chance that someone comes in. Positive. Now, what do we do if we're here and we have to go to Los Angeles or San Francisco or New York, wherever, for just four or five days and help our our kupuna, help our our parents, whatever? Well, it's too quick to to get the value of a test. Mm. And so... What is likely to be the recommendation and what's the current prevailing recommendation is that four days after return, people get a test. That way, if you pick something up, we will then be able to detect it. And and it's, not again, not perfect. It's an inexact science. But if we really want to be smart about it, what we will do is we will ask people to self-quarantine at home or only go to, or only go to work and wear a mask. They'll be asymptomatic, obviously. Uh, and then four days after they've returned, go get a test. And I, am, I intend to set up a plan here with CVS and others to make that test available even without a doctor's order, just so it becomes our standard for the rest of the year. So thank you for that question. That's You're kind of in advance of, of policy as it's being formed. The caller asked about uh, specifically about sports uh, because we're kind of in a bubble here in the island. So Yes, so we're getting there. I do think sports will resume in the fall. We'll put some extra precaution in place. The main sport that is, of course, highest risk is full contact football, which I personally love, and I, I know so many people live for that. So we will have to make sure that we're uh, testing our young athletes a little bit more often and certainly screening them. I think the protocols are going to be very thorough for temperature checks for every individual that's participating in a sport before their activity, making sure that they're not contagious. So uh, we'll get it done. 
and I think we have to return to some normalcy. Also, if there's an outbreak with a football team or mm-hmm. any sporting team, then that team can take a pause and go into isolation from other activity and competition. So mm. lots of precautions, but we should go ahead with forts, uh, yeah. sports. Um, another question from one of our listeners, um, jumping on that idea about our young people's activities. Um, Anne-Marie Medeiros is asking about, could you, uh, she says, Lieutenant Governor, could you please give your thoughts on chorus and band classes? Well, there is some concern about uh, projection and um, when you're projecting in band or singing and if someone's right in front of you and if the individual was was positive or sick, that there is the potential for super spreaders. But if we don't have a, a viral load of any consequence and we haven't had an outbreak, then the risk is very low. It is difficult, however, to consistently socially distance when you're in you know, when you're in band and when you're doing all of the maneuvers that they're doing. So I think that's a consideration. Overall, I don't think that's our highest risk area. I think our, our, our large focus is going to need to be on what we do exactly with tourism and, and our return travel for we residents and what our protocol is to minimize risk and keep the overall viral load very low. Mm. I don't think kids are going to be our problem. One of our listeners, Amy Ford Wagner, asks, I need, oh, I understand the need to stimulate the tourism-based economy, but I'm concerned that once we open up, it will be impossible to shut things back down if our case numbers spike. Are there clear metrics or procedures that will be, I, and I think what she's asking about is, are there thresholds at which, you know, we might go, okay, we're opening up, this level is okay of case cases is okay this level of cases is okay oh no that's too much stop there is yeah yeah we we view this um but there's no there's no pure answer the answer is not like at 35 we no longer uh will be able to keep restaurants open that kind of thing doesn't Mm -hmm. exist really what it is it's a function of whether or not we're able to adequately trace the cases that we have and whether or not we have a spike of any consequence that puts pressure on our capacity to give people ICU care and ventilator support. So we are nowhere near that. We haven't been near that at any point. Although once you get up into the 30 range, day after day after day, if you have a sequence of day, of days, a series of days, where the average of new cases is 30, it becomes an overwhelming task for Department of Health workers and tracers to continue to keep up with it. And if they can't keep up with tracing and putting down the disease again, you run the risk of going from a curve that's creeping up or even flat at 30 to spiking and getting fully out of control. So yes, we would we would then probably ask, if we saw that kind of persistent number, we would ask for a ratcheting down of some activities. We did have a question regarding musicians. Um, we both know a lot of musicians. They are kind of up in arms about the fact that they can't play. So are, is this a thing where they're coordinating it with the different mayors? Is the mayor working in coordination with the state to try to figure out how this all works? I think I think the mayor of, of Honolulu made a kind of a unilateral decision of his concern. Okay. And uh, which is which is not unfounded. No, uh, I mean, but they, you know. they, they they do that sometimes, and it's okay. I mean, like it's an interesting process, right? You've got the mayors that are the executive of their county, and then you got the governor, yeah. who's the uh, executive of the state, and then you got me, who's just a blabbermouth, right? So <laughs> and a physician. So <laughs> it it ultimately comes down to what either they hear concerns, they read things, but they should the mayors really should coordinate with the Department of Health and the governor at all times if they're going to make a change. That's the best thing to do because it's very possible that um, the director of health or the epidemiologist, Dr. Park, has some analytical data on whether that's an issue or not. I know Mm -hmm. that they refer to musicians as super spreaders. I don't think that that's particularly fair. 
And there are ways, of course, to mitigate risk, whether it's to have some modicum of physical barriers with just enough space between people. And there's just a lot of things that can be done. So I think a herky-jerky kind of um, approach makes people crazy. And I'm assuming that that's what uh, the musician community or the music community was worried about. Again, I think you put the focus on on things like that and you're missing the bigger picture. I'm not saying that Mayor Caldwell is like missing the big picture. I'm saying that the big picture is something different. Mm -hmm. And that is what will we do with tourism when, you know, tens of thousands of people come to Hawaii every day? How much energy do we have to put there? It's like 98.5% of the challenge. Everything else is small potatoes, as long as people are wearing masks. Everything mm. else. Because you're on the front lines of this, have we found out any new things about COVID-19 that you'd like to share with people? Because there's so much misinformation that's going on right now. Uh, this, this virus is not eradicated by hot weather. It's decreased, mm. but it's not eradicated by hot weather, like many other coronaviruses have been. Uh, one of the challenges is that we, we introduced two or more large variables all at the same time, which is a problem. We were poised to know exactly what the effect of hot weather was going to be on the virus without extra um, spreading uh, environments, meaning big crowds getting together. And then some of the red state governors lifted all rules, which was not timely because we could have known whether how this virus behaved with hot weather if they waited two more weeks. Mm, like so, hold that variable still. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, um, of course, uh, Mr. Floyd was killed and uh, that set off the nation rightfully so in protest but protesting in a time of of a pandemic is a is a challenge and so that of course also added a huge variable i think actually when we saw the number 18 i think that was because we respectfully had large gatherings out together and there's going to be some spread so my team's been talking about whether or not we're going to see another couple of days of spread before that dies down I'd say it's highly likely our number will still be in the teens today and tomorrow, mm. and then it will stro- start dropping. And then, of course, the nursing home. That nursing home is, uh, is a big uh, wild card. A lot of people still have questions about the unemployment. Do you have any other any news to share about how that whole situation can be resolved uh, with unemployment and people not getting benefits? I do, actually. Mm. Uh, so... We've now got it down, and this is due to the very hard work of the Department of Labor. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're down to 15,000 uh, unfinalized uh, applications. Uh, there's some additional information that individuals need to give. And what they're now doing, and people should keep their ears open for this, is uh, number one, they're going to get robocalls. And everyone hates robocalls beyond beyond, okay? But check your um, robocall messages, because if you are part of the unemployment application process, we found that this is a way to quickly tell you. These are legit calls from government. You're hearing it from uh, the lieutenant governor. <laughs> if you get a robocall about unemployment, it's from the state of Hawaii. Uh, at least it has been, okay? Number one. Number two, you're going to get emails about the dates that you should file certain paperwork uh, if you haven't finalized your, your process. So, <clears throat> excuse me, we went from 225000 uh, applications and then it was stuck around 62,000 with challenges. Now it's down to 15,000. I mean, I know people are still mad and they should be because it's so scary and frustrating if you're waiting for resources to survive on. But there's been a lot of progress. So backtrack here. So the, the thing about uh, the robocalls, as a consumer, I'm wondering how do I know when I get a call that it is a legit call? 
cross-check it against your, the numbers that you already have for the Department of Labor and, and the unemployment uh, services that we have. So those numbers are legit, of course. Uh, I know it's hard to get through, but we will be using, it with the robocalls, those same contacts. Any, any number that we've already established that's official that you've been working through will be just you know further authenticated. And there's instructions on these robocalls based on people's last names, based on the days that they're supposed to be calling in and so on. So we're able, we've been able to uh, funnel some of the communication directly to people. Also, the emails are, are very specific. They're, you know, they're built for, for action. So again, Safe Travels Hawaii yes. is the big plan that uh, the administration is drafting right now and working on and talking with people in the industry, how we're going to get this economy back up again. And what are the main ideas behind that? Well, the main ideas, and I think it's been written, and even the Gov wrote about some of this uh, in in letters out uh, to people. Mm -hmm. The main concept, the main concept is people will get a test before traveling to Hawaii. If they get a negative test three to five days beforehand for logistical purposes, it decreases by a great margin the possibility that when they do travel here, it won't be perfect, they'll be negative and we won't have spread. And then they won't have to do quarantine. Because as long as we have quarantine, the hotels and airlines can't really open up. You get a, you know, you get a couple hundred people, but you're not going to really open up, which means you can't open up all the jobs and you can't help people. Mm-hmm. So we add that layer right now when there's a surge everywhere, although the surge will be less, I expect, come end of July, early August. You add that layer, you continue to screen people with thermal scanners, you continue to get everyone's temperature, you continue to get all their... Uh, biographical information that's related to potential disease, and then you're in the clear. You can keep the numbers real low. That's it. And the test will be organized on the mainland. The idea, of course, is that we have it be easy to get a test. So all these details will be unveiled once the governor feels comfortable with the plan. This is the, the, the governor's call. He needs to make that call comfortably because it's all governors, it's their responsibility to keep us safe and alive. And Given all of that, and you were saying that the governor needs to feel comfortable with that plan, I'm just going to summarize a question that I see echoed over and over in our comments. What is the holdup? The holdup is caution and mm. safety. And lots. And in politics, if you don't have full collaboration, then some people go off the handle and, and try to torpedo it or whatever. So there's that. You have to know that it's a hard call. Uh, on the other hand, if other people are out there saying, wait, I'm going broke, I'm, I'm going to have to move, it's not a hard call. Well, that's true too. So that's thus the compromise. Mm. Get a test because it will make it a lot safer and that restores Hawaii's or continues Hawaii's reputation as the lowest uh, COVID risk place in the world. People, More people will come, but we have to have them come safely. And then we want more people to come safely and more people to come safely to a point. Maybe we exceeded our capacity when we got to 10 million. I think a lot of people believe that. And in the meanwhile, if we have some kind of measure, a test that cost a few bucks, it probably will uh, send the message that if you're coming to Hawaii, come with Aloha and it'll be a great place to vacation. Mm-hmm. 94.7 Kumu, we're here with Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Um, so as far as getting a test now, yes, is, has it become easier? It has. We can now do 5,000 tests. It's much, much easier. Sometimes a doctor may ask you if you have symptoms. If you have any symptoms, you get tested immediately. No problem at all. If you're asymptomatic, but you've been in close contact with a positive individual, you also should express that, and then you get a test. We're only doing, on average, probably between 
like 600 to 1,000 tests a day. We have 5,000 that we can complete, so we have more than enough. The larger question that, that I've had to work on is how do you get uh, testing for people that are just going to travel? And so I've set up an arrangement uh, with CVS, which has been discussed somewhat. They have 1,400 places across the country, and they're willing to do the test. They're just going to charge people to do the test before they travel here. We also can set up a lot of different ways to test here if it's the governor's pleasure, and the market will take care of that anyway. But we will we will do that if it's requested. I have, I've been working in parallel with five or six different large pieces of this plan with the top people across the state to be ready to implement it in you know just four weeks. Mm-hmm. So it it's a lot of different things that have to be done, but worth it it's worth we, it for our economy and for our people uh in the short amount of time that we have left i did want to ask the lieutenant governor to give a short update if if it's relevant uh to the aloha free clinic situation yes. um is that are you still involved with that yeah i'm totally with it i mm-hmm. was volunteering there earlier this week for an hour and we have free medications there it's at 2055 north king street if you need an appointment just write aloha free clinic at gmail.com and uh, we will see you for free totally free that's it. And we have bunches of medications, all your, your basic blood pressure medications, diabetes medications. If you haven't gotten them for a while, or really if you're like in a gray zone, you're in limbo because your insurance is on hold or your doctor is closed or whatever, just go to the Aloha Free Clinic. It's in Kalihi. Uh, again, alohafreeclinic at gmail.com. You will pay nothing, period. Okay. Awesome. And Thank that's going to stay open until... All the way through the summer, so June, July, August. Oh, okay. okay. Yes. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, I know that uh, you have, uh, as you mentioned, uh, you got to run in a few minutes. Was there anything else that you wanted to add, anything that you want to alert our listeners to that is coming over the horizon? Well, let me just say, uh, in spite of the challenges, in spite of my um, general rancor towards some the mayor sometimes, look, everyone's <laughs> busting their butt and they're doing good stuff. God bless them for making sure people are getting fed. Lots of good work by the mayor lots of great work by the team behind the scenes. It's really good to recognize we have not had a fatality uh, since I think the 3rd mm. of May. Yeah, we're still mm-hmm. at 17, right? Yeah, Is that and I, right? Because mm-hmm. I know there's a couple people that are sick right now, yes. but um, you know, we, we pray for them. But it's really been an extraordinary effort, but now is the time to begin to emerge from uh, our economic hi- hibernation. And that has to happen for many reasons. So when you see what I'm talking about, it's it's always projecting four to six weeks out of what we have to be ready for, barring a calamitous change. And and we have multiple people working on this. So I hope people are confident about that. Don't hesitate to call or text. We'll be communicating. Okay. Yeah. Thank you again. Thank you very much for stopping by. We appreciate it. It's great to be here. So I just <laughs> want to say there, there may be a possibility we'll hear something soon regarding travel. Reopening of Reopening Trans-Pacific Tourism like sometime very soon. Darn soon. He just nod. They can't tell on radio if he's just nodding. So what you go? I think he nodded. Yeah. <laughs> like a nod. Okay. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll look forward to, to hopefully hearing something from the mm-hmm. governor soon. I, I definitely, it's, it's coming soon and, uh, and, what we've done is we've taken calendars and gone from the the, the date that we must have things open backwards mm-hmm. so that we can get it all done okay. in a timely way. So it's it's being done professionally and everyone take a deep breath, <laughs> wear your masks. The economy's gonna come back and come back soon. Um, and I think we'll be able to we'll be able to go into great detail, I think, next Friday, if I may, if okay. that helps out. Awesome. All right, Thank that'd you be so much. great. Appreciate it. Yeah. Holding on to hope there. <laughs> that was uh, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green with us here. Thank you so much. Thank you.